Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. Part of rejection, part of failure, part of having those moments, um, that's growth. And that's what keeps you and gives you those valuable lessons so that the next time that you do something, you're gonna even you're gonna be even more prepared. In the Women Who Code Career Nav segment of our show, you'll hear real world advice from people who are currently working in the technology industry and personally know the steps needed to succeed. Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. I'm Shauna Gregory, Chief Program Officer at Women Who Code, and today we'll be discussing going from engineering management to founder and CTO, stories about jumping into entrepreneurship. I'm joined today by Pam Martinez, co-founder and CTO of Snowball Wealth. Snowball is a financial education platform for companies and institutions. Their mission is to help people make better money decisions by providing community, education, and alleviating money anxiety. Before Snowball, Pam was an engineering manager and software engineer at two education startups, Seesaw and Clever, and was part of Xbox One's launch as a product manager. Pam has a degree in computer science from Stanford University and grew up in Houston. I'm so excited to have you here, Pam. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, after reading through your bio very quickly, I would love to hear more about how you got started on your path to becoming a founder and a CTO. Uh, can you talk a bit for our audience about your early career and how you first started getting interest, interested in technology? Yeah, um, you know, I think growing up, I was always really fascinated by computers and technology. I grew up in the 90s and, you know, I just really loved seeing that transition of going from, you know, like video games into like my first personal computer and even, you know, playing around with like MySpace and HTML. I think that was kind of like my first venture into code. And, um, you know, once I started college, I didn't really know what to study. And I had no idea that computer science was even a field that I could go into. Um, you know, I think like a lot of kids, you know, I grew up in Houston and Texas, so I didn't really see a lot of people in the tech industry. I think my exposure was mostly to, you know, careers like being in law or going into the medical industry. So, um, you know, I think when I started college, I was kind of just like exploring all of the different fields across the board while I figured out what I really wanted to do. Um, and eventually, you know, I think after feeling lost in my first year of college, I took a digital photography class and um, it happened to be in the computer science department. And I got exposure to like really interesting like computing and mathematical subjects that I didn't really know about. And um, I really enjoyed it. So after that, I decided to take an intro to computer science. Um, and that's when I realized how much I loved the field and uh, decided to stick with it. That's great. I feel like that story really resonates with a lot that I've heard from our community of people who began studying, you know, for whatever career they thought they wanted as a child or as a kid. Um, and then once they were introduced to the opportunity, either through their aptitude in math or their interests in computers, I feel like that kind of takes people in a, in a different direction. But um, having, having that as a possibility as a kid, I feel like is really important for, for newer generations. But that's so interesting. Um, I'd love to hear about your, your early career as far as your work in education. Um, so I know you worked at a couple of startups. Um, can you speak more about that? 
Yeah, yeah. So I always really cared about the education space. I um, I went to like a magnet school, so I got exposure to a lot of different uh, fields, and it was a career, it was a college focused magnet school in my district. So they took a very hands-on approach to education, and it was kind of like a really different way to, very different type of high school. So when um, I went to college, I really became interested in learning about how different people learn in different ways to uh, innovate in the education space. So um, after my first job at Microsoft, where I worked as a P like program manager for Xbox One, I decided that I wanted to jump back into the education space. So I looked for different ad tech companies and eventually found out about Clever, um, which is a platform for K-12 schools that make it really easy for schools to use technology. So I really love that concept and I really love the idea of working for a company that was trying to make um, you know, technology more accessible in the classroom. So um, I jumped in, I became an engineer. Uh, when I started my career, I started in product as a PM. So this was kind of like my first venture both into startups and engineering. Um, and it was just an amazing experience. Um, I was one of the first few engineers. I saw the company quadruple while I was there. And I was part of one of the, you know, key products that made the company really scale and grow. And that was just an invaluable learning experience that uh, really helped me, one, learn about the education space, but also kind of grow as a software engineer and eventually move into my second startup and also kind of like go into like being even an earlier uh, team member at startups. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I feel like being able to join an early stage startup really sets up your your information and what you begin to learn about the industry, especially now, I'm sure as a founder, um, having that insight into how teams grow from one or two people to dozens or hundreds of people and all of the opportunities along the way. That's what I really find interesting about being early in your career, but also at a company that's early in its existence. Um, so I'm sure that was really that was really a great way to experience your introduction to tech. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely was. Great. Um, so along that line, I'm really curious how you moved from ed tech, which like you said, is a really interesting part of the industry that focuses on education to now we're working more uh, fintech or financial education and community. Um, what inspired you to create Snowball Well? Yeah, you know, I think for me, um, growing up, I'm, I'm an immigrant, so I moved to the U.S. when I was 10. Um, I, you know, I grew up in like a working class family and I became exposed to wealth uh, for the first time when I uh, started at Stanford. I, you know, I feel like when you learn, now that I learn and hear about like the wealth gap, I think at the time it felt like a really academic topic and it didn't really hit me until I started, uh, you know, at a very elite university. And then after that, working in the tech industry where a lot of people around me came from really privileged backgrounds, uh, had a lot of generational wealth and people were making uh you know six figures or more so I became really um 
you know, aware of like the wealth gap, the gender wealth gap, the racial wealth gap. And I saw, you know, how I really struggled uh, learning about and figuring out the financial industry and, you know, the financial services really as, you know, like a young professional. So, um, you know, I think after being out of school for a few years, um, I helped my sister pay through college. My partner had hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt. And um, I was trying to figure out like how to save and, you know, I didn't even know how to invest. So I realized that there was a really big gap in terms of understanding and navigating the financial industry. So um, that kind of like motivated me to figure out like, how do we make this more accessible and easier to understand? Um, I became really obsessed with, uh, you know, fintech and financial products and I loved you know I was one of those like fintech nerds so I was like okay like here's how you like maximize your credit card points and you know eventually I kind of like learned ropes and once I did that I, was, I realized that it actually wasn't really that hard or complicated that we were just lacking that uh, information and lacking the tools to really make uh, the best financial decisions for ourselves so um Anyway, so I, I kind of like took all of those learnings and kind of decided to take on a challenge of thinking about how do we make this field more accessible to people and how do we make it easier for especially first gen college grads or people who are the first in their families to start making money and building wealth um, to really navigate and understand the ropes around it. Wow, there's so many thoughts that I just had going through my head and I love personally resonating with being someone from a lower income family who then goes to, in my case, I went to a private liberal arts school on the East Coast, but I'm from California, um, and kind of being confronted with the inequality and people from so many different backgrounds often who um, just have more financial privilege, um, for lack of a better term. And I feel like that's so important for um, products like Snowball Wealth to, or companies like Snowball Wealth to really introduce people to the conversation of having, you know, financial literacy and being able to manage your own money, especially in an industry like tech, where often people starting early in their careers are in, um, you know, the opportunity to make six-figure salaries, maybe at the age of 22 at times. So being able to know what to do with that sudden kind of windfall of your salary and how to help people in your community, or in your case, in your family and your partner, I think that's a really inspiring start to your organization. I'm so glad you were able to share your personal story. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly what you said of like being being exposed to this for the first time, being, uh, you know, like you mentioned, right, like a lot, of, especially a lot of people who are in our audience, like if you're working in tech, um, you do have this opportunity to start making some of these bigger financial moves. And I made so many mistakes as <laughs> uh, in my early 20s that um, I just want it not to be as I want people to know how to make the right decisions for themselves. And you know, hopefully things get easier over time. Absolutely. I feel like um, one of my recent uh, money facts that I learned is that in the U.S., I, I believe women could not have their own credit cards that were not under a man's name until about the 70s. Um, so I feel like just at the time that we're at right now, the wave of, um, you know, the internet and technology and this amazing industry, but also the financial timeline that we're at is 
it's not, it's not anyone's fault that they don't have this information or that you're not born with how to maximize your credit card points or how to not dig yourself into debt when we're all expected to pay tens of thousands of dollars for higher education. So um, I think what I'm really hearing you say is that um, it's not it's not an inherent lack of information that people have. It's not something that is anyone's fault, but um, I'd love to hear more about how Snowball Wealth um, you know, teaches these things or at least spreads the knowledge of, of sharing this financial literacy with people. Yes, of course. Yeah. And I, you know, I think like you mentioned, a lot of these systems are new. So it's, you know, this is why they're not part of our education system either, right? Like credit scores are relatively new, uh, 401ks and Roth IRAs, like we are living, a lot of things are changing in the financial space and industry. And, um, you know, it's a lot of this information gets passed down word of mouth or through financial advisors that your family might have. So there's, there's really, you know, a lot of gatekeeping in the industry and our mission and hope is to kind of like open, open those gates and allow people to have this information in a way that um, felt really hard before. And you really had to go in and digging. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where like, you don't know what you don't know <laughs> for a lot of this. Um, so over time, I think this is something that we can make a lot more accessible. And, you know, I think the way that we're looking at this through Snowball is uh, a few ways. So, you know, the way that we started was really helping, um, you know, on the consumer side, we have a mobile app and a web app and people can, you know, really focus, our main focus is focusing on um, really building a community so that people don't feel like they're at this alone. Um, one of the things that we learned when we first launched Novel Wealth was that, you know, the really first step for um, making, you know, these financial moves is really about mindset. Um, a lot of us grew up with uh, negative money beliefs or money scripts that were holding us back. Um, I think a lot of people that, you know, come to Snowball or people that I know, you know, grew up thinking that, you know, money is scarce and having like a scarcity mindset or, you know, the belief that, you know, you're not good with money. And, you know, you're really thinking, you know, our first step is really to help people uh, unlearn some of those money scripts and really have more positive mindset and how to, you know, address the emotional aspects of your money decisions. Um, and I think that's kind of like one of the big foundational pieces and having a community and a supportive group around you can really help you uh, kind of like stay motivated and move forward in that. And then other than that, we do have financial tools like a net worth tracker and a financial roadmap that walk you step by step on, um, you know, how to build an emergency fund, starting to invest and so on to really help people kind of take things one step at a time, depending on what where they're at. That's great. I really appreciate it that you kind of started with the mindset and then went into community because I think those are two kind of foundational pieces of the work that we do at Women Who Code as well is that you can have all of this information and education and pathways to, you know, in your case, um, become, uh, I keep saying financial literacy, but become better at money for lack of a better phrase. Um, or in our case, you can transition into the tech industry and, you know, become highly successful within the field. But I do think that community is such a key piece in both of the, the work that we're doing. Um, and 
being able to stay motivated and also work with people who share a similar experience to you, um, whether it's the same financial background or lack of information that you have growing up or um, feeling in some cases as if you were the only someone in the room in a tech company or in a computer science program. I feel like those shared experiences within the community create a really strong foundation um, for being able to move forward through challenging challenging conversations, whether that's financial or technical or career. Um, I, as someone who kind of navigated all three of those, I'm wondering um, what's the role in your mind of diversity, equity, and inclusion within either your company's philosophy or within tech itself? I'd love to hear more about how you, you think about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think uh, part of one, of one of the main reasons why I decided to start Snowball was that after working in the tech industry, um, I've never been managed by a woman and I've never had a woman up my chain of command in my, I mean, in my like 10 years of working at tech, right? So um, I, I worked at various startups. I had a ton of managers, I had VPs and I really felt like there was a lack of diversity in, uh, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion. And a lot of the companies that I worked at um, and I think I got to the point where I realized that to see these changes, I had to be part of the solution. And um, after being interested in entrepreneurship, I was like, well, you know, the way for me to change this is to start a company myself. <laughs> um, so my co-founder and I were both Latinas. So, you know, DEI is really built into the fabric of our company. We both started this company because we felt like there was a lack of representation in one, the industry, but also in financial services. And uh, we really wanted to build a company that was built for and by women and women of color to really support those of us around us. So some of the things that we focus on, like community, for example, are um, really important to kind of like have that support. Um, and, you know, like a lot of our content also addresses topics that are really important to people who are the first in their families to go to college, people who are the first in their families to build wealth, um, like thinking about how do you support your family, how do you set money boundaries, uh, things like how do you pay for uh, student loans and how do you deal with debt, because, you know, managing and paying off student loans is something that's really big for first gen, first gen college grads. So, you know, we've been focused a lot on these issues and our target audience. And the other last thing is um, a lot of our content is engaging and targeted towards like millennials and Gen Z. So we have a really big TikTok following and we're really focused on making culturally relevant content that's engaging and it's built by people who look like our target audience. Um, so I think that's kind of like one of the other things. We know that representation is lacking, so we're making an effort to make sure that we ourselves are bringing people onto the team who uh, reflect our target audience as well. Absolutely. I was going to say before you mentioned representation that it's incredibly important, especially hearing your story and hearing about how you're the first in so many ways within your family or within your community to have these experiences. Being able, if, imagining if you had that representation 
you know, either when you were in university or early in your career, if you had a manager who was a woman or Latina or, you know, both ideally, um, how different that might have been for you. I know that we hear from a lot of our, our community members that just being able to attend an event where um, a woman, a woman of color, someone who's, you know, not within the gender binary speaking, even if the topic that they're speaking on is not necessarily just their experience about being in the tech industry, it might be a technical topic, it might be a Python workshop. Um, just having that representation is incredibly important for, like you mentioned, um, the younger audiences, but also people who are navigating this at any age, um, navigating you know, learning financial things, navigating the tech industry or their own career. I feel like it's all very similar. It's all connected in, in some way. So I feel like you have this expertise in all of the areas that we're talking about that will really resonate with a lot of our community members. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to hear, so going back to something you said, um, you mentioned I had never had a manager who was a woman. Um, I had, you know, probably been on teams that didn't have many women. I'd love to go back to what you said about how you didn't have that representation, so you decided to do it yourself. Um, that's a, a huge leap. I'm wondering if you've always been really entrepreneurial. Um, I would love to hear more about your transition from being an engineer at a startup to being a founder and a CTO at your own company and having I'm imagining a lot of new responsibilities that you're having to navigate. Um, could you talk more about that, that path? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, yeah, you know, I think going back to feeling like, you know, not seeing yourself or not being represented in the space. Um, I was always really interested in entrepreneurship, but I was also very intimidated by it. <laughs> you know, when I was in college, I know there were a few like entrepreneurship clubs. And I, at the time, I, I felt like I didn't, I didn't know if I belonged in those spaces early on. Um, it definitely took, you know, working in this space, being an engineer and being at a startup before I gained the confidence that I really needed. Um, and, I, you know, I think one of the things that I was interested in, though, and I that I did that was not directly tied to entrepreneurship was that I was always really active in extracurriculars. And I always had leadership positions there. And while not the same, I think that those experiences gave me a lot of really valuable learnings about how to motivate a team. How do you work towards a goal? Uh, especially if you're doing this when you're in college, when you're like running clubs with people who are volunteering, <laughs> you, you learn a lot of really important life lessons. So how do you really motivate someone? How do you get something done? And uh, how do you like mobilize people around you? And, you know, I didn't really make the connection until later how those things helped me become a better leader. And, you know, once I graduated and I started working at startups, um, you know, once I was in it, I realized that I was good at my job and, um, you know, having, having managers around me and people who supported me and encouraged me really helped me, again, you know, build that confidence, gain the skills, and start preparing myself and, you know, getting myself excited about potentially doing this on my own. Um, so I would say that, you know, it wasn't like an immediate leap that I took. And while I was working at these tech startups, um, I started to find opportunities to, you know, continue doing extracurriculars and also, you know, start working on side projects and, you know, kind of like start my own companies with a much lower risk. 
Um, and, you know, I think one of the big key moments for me was when I went to a hackathon and my team won first place. And then part of the prize was having access to mentors and also getting like a startup coach to help us grow that idea. And that really gave me even more experience on kind of like in a really low risk way to like think about like, how do I start something from scratch? How do I build a product? How do I find customers? And, you know, through that program, it really forced me out of my comfort zone. Um, and I think after that, I was like, you know what, like I can do this. Not only had I worked at startups, I had worked on my own thing as well on the side. You know, I think all of those things together kind of gave me the confidence that I needed to make that leap to, you know, become a, a co-founder and CTO on my own. Yeah, that's incredible. I feel like what you just described is really painting in the picture of if you're just looking at someone's LinkedIn or someone's resume, you just see someone going from technical role to as a, as a founder, CTO, you're a people leader, you are a company leader, you have business skills now. And what you just described is the different roles of community and network and um, the ways that you can develop leadership skills without ever having manager in your title. Um, we see the same thing with people who are participating in women who code events or speaking at a conference gives you this, um, among other things, gives you this confidence and this experience that you may not have in your day-to-day -day job, or you may not have someone giving to you, um, you know, presenting this opportunity. It's, it's being able to seek it out. And I love that you mentioned extracurriculars um, or mentioning clubs and mentioning volunteering and being able to project manage or people manage, because that, that is one thing that I always share with people is that being part of a community and stepping into the available leadership positions or deciding to manage a project that is not connected to your work or not something that you're being paid for, while that does take a certain amount of time and energy and things that you, you do have to make sacrifices in order to dedicate that time to, the, the payoff is often that you are training yourself for um, either deciding this is something you want to do in the future or deciding maybe project management is not what I want to do or people management might not be something I'm interested in, but giving yourself the experiences rather than hoping that that is something in your next job or in your current position, I think is really crucial um, and, and definitely a thread that I've heard in this conversation. I also loved hearing the hackathon piece. <laughs> that is so important. Um, I'd love to hear more about, was that your first hackathon? Um, how do you think, if you're imagining our, our audience listening to this, how do you think your approach to the hackathon really set you up for um, all of the exposure that you mentioned or all of the, the rewards that you received as winning the hackathon? Yeah, you know, um, I remember this really clearly because I almost didn't attend the hackathon. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think it goes back to, you know, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And, uh, you know, I do that. I, I think I, I was doing that all the time. And I remember I was like, oh, like, why am I going to spend the weekend <laughs> working on this side, on this thing with this hackathon with a bunch of strangers? Um, but I, I, I ended up going because a friend of mine was going and I was like, you know what, I'll make the effort. I'll do it. And I just loved it. It was, um, it was like, the, it was like a Latino specific hackathon. It was like Latinx in tech. 
in Oakland, and they were really trying to bring in, um, a, you know, bring in the community together. Um, and I, I remember I, uh, let's see, what was one of the big learnings? I spent all weekend long working on this project. I built an app from scratch and um, we had a really cool project and really cool people. And after we won and presented the solution, um, we just got connected to so many amazing people. And I think it was that network and those connections that really kind of like sparked something in me. Um, and just that thrill of like, I'm building something out of scratch and I'm sharing this with people. And this was promise um, that really interested me and helped me kind of get that interest in entrepreneurship. And I think winning the hackathon also gave me that additional confidence of like, oh, like this is something that I can do. <laughs> Um, you know, before I think I, I saw it as something that like only other people can do, but I think being able to go through that process myself, um, was just like really insightful and exciting. That's amazing. I feel like I want to take that story of you almost not going to going, changing kind of the path of your life, <laughs> um, and, and play that for, um, we have a hackathon later this year, play that oh, for cool. people who register and then might want to opt out at the last moment. So I I definitely really appreciate how um, you stepped out of your comfort zone and you kind of put more, um, I guess, faith or energy into um, the hackathon itself and really put your your skills to work and then had this this great payoff or this great experience and learned something. It seems like it learned you learned something about yourself and built some skills in a really short amount of time, which I think is always really incredible about hackathons, you know, for all of the sleep deprivation or giving up your whole weekend or, you know, eating junk food for three days. I feel like it, it can also open up doors that you didn't know existed. And the same is true for any volunteering that you were describing earlier or, um, being parts of clubs or committees or putting in that extra time, um, it's often hard to do. And often not everyone can set aside that time to do it, I want to recognize, but it also means that you can pave your own way in the industry without, again, um, doing that at work. You know, it's a bit different, but I, I love everything that you've been sharing about how you came to your your current role and starting your own company and everything you've shared about Snowball Wealth, I'd love to know if there is any advice that you'd like to give to technologists, to women in tech, to underrepresented people in this industry who are looking to start their own companies. I think I can think of many takeaways from our conversation, but what else would you like to, to share with our audience? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, um, one of the things that I was shocked to learn was that less than 2% of VC funding goes to uh, companies founded by women. And a fraction of that goes to companies that are founded by uh, Latinx or Black women. And, you know, I think it's important to recognize that there are a lot of systemic barriers that do make it harder for us to take this leap. And, um, you know, I think it also highlights the importance for us to work on making it happen as well, right? So, you know, I think that's something that was like a really sobering fact that is, uh, I think it's important to go into it understanding and knowing. 
That being said, I think one of the really important things as for me has been having a really good support network. You know, having family, having friends around you who are going to be there with you in the ups and the downs so that, you know, when you're feeling demotivated or, you know, you're feeling a little bit down, like having someone who can be a cheerleader and keep you going, I think can be can make a really, really big difference. Um, and, you know, I think also people around you can keep you grounded uh, in your day to day. Um, you know, I think over the last few years that I've been working on uh, on Snowball, I've definitely felt like if it hadn't been for the people around me, like a great supportive co-founder, a great partner, my friends and my family, I think it, it would have been really hard to keep going. Um, so I think that's like one thing, um, you know, I think I've also touched on a lot of different things that were really helpful, like taking, you know, small steps in your role outside of work, uh, you really helped me prepare for this moment. Um, but I think another thing, you know, being in, you know, in fintech and talking about money, I do think it's important to uh, prepare yourself financially as well. You know, when I decided to quit my day job, um, you know, it, it can be really, really scary to go from having like a secure, stable income to no income. <laughs> so for me, you know, I knew that this is something that I wanted to do. So I kind of, I saved up for it. I, uh, I worked, you know, a few years in tech, I had an emergency fund, I had a fund set aside so that I could go off and start my own company without having to worry about how I was going to pay for my rent. So having that financial, um, planning and having that already set aside can really help you focus on the business and the company and not worry so much about the money. Because I think that is one thing that can become really stressful as an entrepreneur is thinking about uh, how are you going to support yourself and your family. So having that thought through ahead of time and having that plan in place can help you take those business risks in a way that, you know, I think would be really hard without. Um, and I think lastly, the, the other thing I would say, it's just like take the leap. You know, it's a learning process. Uh, no one's ever really ready. Everyone has a different path, you know, and it also doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, there's a lot of people who bootstrap their businesses if they're not ready to make that full on commitment. Um, and or you can like start on your own project on the side. I feel like, you know, it doesn't have to be you don't have to have that one moment when you're like, OK, like now I'm going to be an entrepreneur. You can start you can be an entrepreneur and still, you know, in your in, in small ways and you can kind of move in that direction slowly. It doesn't have to be like a going from zero to 100. Absolutely. So if I were to summarize um, just from this most recent question, because I feel like there's so many great takeaways so far in our conversation, um, recognizing what, what the systemic barriers are for you personally or for whatever it is you're trying to do, um, not letting yourself be stopped by that, but also that might even encourage you and, and highlight the importance of doing so. Um, having a good support network, of course, is always helpful, always something that you want to build and work on and also lean on when needed. Um, financial security, of course, that's um, inherent in everything that you're working on, but it would be challenging to start your own organization or your own foundation company without having the safety net. And then just encouraging people to take the leap. And I didn't hear you say, don't compare yourself to other people, but I did hear you say that no one's story is going to be 
identical. Um, no one is going to have your same background or your same goals and the path to get there is not always going to be so clear. Um, one question that we, we haven't talked about, um, we've shared so much of your success and things that you've done to, um, to come at the position that you're at. Uh, what would you say to uh, people who are experiencing, um, I don't like to use the word failure, but experiencing something that is really challenging within their career. So often it can be someone who's unhappy in their role and might want to leave their organization or they're not sure what to do next and they're considering maybe pivoting out of tech entirely or maybe they tried to start a company and, and were not as successful right away. I'd love to hear if you were in that position, um, what what takeaways or what advice would you give to that person? Yeah, um, you know, I feel like I've experienced all of those things. Right. Um, you know, I think one of the things about getting out of your comfort zone it means that you're not going to be successful all the time and that you're going to have to deal with rejection and failure um i think what i would say would be you know look at those um as learning opportunities um i considered leaving tech and when i after my first job i was really unhappy in my role i didn't like what i was doing i was discouraged by the industry um and I, I was like, maybe tech isn't for me. And, you know, I'm so glad I didn't leave tech and I stayed in and stayed the course. I think for me, it was really about, you know, like recognizing that there are going to be challenges and finding ways to, you know, kind of keep on going and also learning about what are the things that motivate you and excite you. I think for me, you know, after my first job, um, I was after working in gaming, I wasn't really as thrilled or excited um, but I rediscovered my passion for education and I met a bunch of other people who were really interested in the education space. And that's how I found and worked for my first startup. And just being around those people really just gave me that energy back to keep on going. Um, and then after that, you know, like some of the side projects and, you know, kind of companies and, you know, the hackathon project, for example, that didn't work out at all. Like I thought I was going to start this company and <laughs> I was trying to, you know, make it work, but it didn't work out and that's okay. It ended up being an amazing learning experience that helped me do it again later. So I would say it's, you know, take it one day at a time. Um, part of, you know, part of rejection, part of failure, part of having those moments, um, that's growth. And that's what keeps you and gives you those valuable lessons so that the next time that you do something, you're gonna even, you're gonna be even more prepared. Um, so yeah. that's, that's what I would say. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. And I love that, um, you weren't, that wasn't necessarily something we were planning to talk about in this conversation was just addressing, um, missteps or addressing the really challenging times, but, uh, you're absolutely right that, you know, these, these experiences that feel negative in the moment or um, are really instrumental and might have you pivot your entire course differently um, become part of your story. So we've talked about how great this hackathon <laughs> turned out being for you, but you know the project itself didn't necessarily pan out or the company that you thought you might start you know, became something else entirely. And you still have those good, those positives, um, or the things that motivate you that you really let guide you from that moment. So I really love that. Um, I know a lot of people in our, in our community, a lot of women in tech in general have had experiences where they weren't quite sure if 
the industry was for them or maybe their company or their role or their manager might not feel like a good fit. So I always like to make sure we're addressing not just the incredible things that that have led to great success, but the really hard, challenging things that might deter people from their career or their livelihood or something that they're really passionate about. So I loved that you mentioned focusing on what motivates you because I absolutely think that is true. Um, just along my own personal story, I also, um, you know, had a couple of, of jobs that I was not as passionate about because I didn't feel like I was connecting with people in my community or I didn't, I was not working in a nonprofit. I wasn't working at the time um, in a coding boot camp, which was one of my earlier jobs. But when I worked in a couple of startups that were very much for profit, that were, you know, my team was helping people click on ads, you know, <laughs> things that weren't motivating personally. Um, I looked for something that, that would be more fulfilling for me. And I, I found the role that I'm in now, which is great. Um, but going back to what we talked about earlier, it was volunteer experience in my instance that led me onto this path and really told me what was motivating or really showed me where I wanted to spend my time. So um, I really love that you shared so much about um, what led you on your current path. Uh, the last question I wanted to get to is how do you think we can make the tech industry uh, better? And the second part is the world. How can we make the world better? But obviously that's a massive question. Um, but what are a couple of quick takeaways that you, that you really firmly believe that you think would make the industry better? Yeah. You know, um, I think one thing is being kind. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a little cliche, but, you know, lifting others around you, I think can go such a long way. Um, you know, no matter where you are in your career, whether that's, you know, like if you're in, you know, if you're early on in your career helping mentor a college student to get their first job or someone who's transitioning into tech. Um, and then, you know, when I became a manager, it was all about like, how do I help grow my team members and, you know, being that support for other people and just giving back, I think is, is a way that we can make the tech industry a lot better. Um, and then, you know, I think secondly is uh, holding yourself as a, accountable as a leader and holding your leaders accountable. You know, I think to continue to build a strong and positive tech culture, like we need to be able to point out the problems um, and being aware of them. You know, I think I am a firm believer in like what's not measured is not, you know, it's hard to improve. So being able to, you know, if you see something that maybe could be better or be improved being you know having asking for resources to be part of the solution or pointing those things out can can really be a long way um i i started doing this for my first company when i was at clever i brought up that we didn't have a lot of women engineers so i started like a, an employee resource group for women in engineering and it was just amazing to see that after our efforts like we were able to make a dent in that problem so you know i think just like pointing out these problems and trying to hold other people accountable and yourself accountable is just one way that we can kind of start pushing, uh, you know, the industry forward. Absolutely. So definitely holding, holding yourself accountable, but also the first thing that you said about being kind, but also no matter where you are within your career, you are more experienced or you do have, you are in a position that you could help someone else. So um, mentoring others, 
um, being supportive, being vocal within your organization where things can improve. I feel like that all goes together as well. Um, well, thank you so much, Pam, for joining us on the Women Who Code podcast. It's been so great to speak with you. I loved learning about all of your experience. I loved our conversation that focused on um, taking your missteps and turning them into part of your story. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with uh, at the end of this conversation? Yeah, no, I think that, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, I think one last thing I would add, uh, it's also being kind to yourself. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I think when I was younger, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, you know, become, you know, level up really fast or, you know, get promoted or become a manager, start my own company on like a timeline. And I've learned since and realize that, you know, we all have different paths. And I think we touched on this earlier, but like, don't compare yourself to others. You don't really know the full story of someone else's path. And that's one thing that I've learned over time is that, you know, we are all doing things at our own pace. It's important to make sure that we take care of ourselves and that we are patient with our own uh, growth. Um, you know, I think all of these tips around like how to lift each other people up around you. Like, I think it's important to lift yourself up and take care of yourself as well. It's, you know, it's a tough time in tech right now. And I know that for a lot of people who are moving into tech, it can feel really hard. Um, so I think it's just making sure that you're, you know, you're proud of and taking care of yourself and you celebrate all of these small wins as well. I love that. I think that is a really good place to end the conversation with a reminder to take care of yourself and focus on your own, um, your mental health and your physical health and your community and relationship help, help. And I, I love that you um, are supporting that within the community. So thank you again so much, Pam. It's been so great speaking with you. And thanks for everything that you shared with our community. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Shanna. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash Women Who Code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.